So many people are on social media. It's a connection point. It's a way that people oftentimes will express more of what's going on in their life than they do in person. You know, everyone that you see out there commenting and writing, everyone has hurts, everyone has pain, everyone has needs. Uh, and most of all, they all need Jesus. And so remember that as you interact with people online. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javit, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hello and welcome back to Our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javit. Today, I'm joined by Josh Collins. Our topic today focuses on social media as a way to communicate the gospel. Josh and his family moved to New York City in 2012 to work with Global Gates among the 100,000 plus immigrants from Bangladesh. He has experienced living and working in India among South Asian Muslims and Hindus, as well as short-term work in Central America, Africa, and Thailand. Josh loves training people to connect and reach out to the nations. He has done a lot of work with social media outreach. So thank you so much uh, for joining us today, Josh. How are you doing, Josh? Doing well. Uh, glad to be here on a rainy New York day. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so we have known each other for a while, but for the sake of our audience, our listeners, would you mind sharing a little bit briefly about your family? I believe family is so important because it makes us humans. It's relatable. So please go ahead, share a little bit about your family. Yeah, sure. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we this year in the summer will be 16 years of marriage. Uh, and, uh, we actually are both from the Midwest originally. Uh, that's where we met and, uh, got married. And then about, uh, just a little over 10 years ago, uh, the two of us and, uh, our one-year-old, uh, baby girl, our firstborn, uh, moved to New York city, uh, to Queens and, uh, with the goal of being part of a new initiative called global gates, uh, that was beginning to reach out to, unreached people groups uh, throughout uh, that time, just New York, but also with the goal of eventually uh, spreading that around urban uh, centers throughout uh, not just North America, but the world. And so uh, we've moved here, been here 10 years, actually still in the same apartment because <laughs> wouldn't know it, but we landed in a rent controlled apartment uh, when we got to New York. Uh, and we've been here ever since. Uh, we've had two more kids since then, uh, another girl and then a, a boy. Uh, and so uh, we're having lots of fun as parents, uh, raising them uh, here in the city uh, with all the unique experiences that they get. Uh, and yeah, that's what our family is all about. Yeah, man. And hold on to that apartment, bro. Th those don't come <laughs> uh, along anymore. Uh, so Josh, tell us a little bit uh, about your journey. Where did you start and how did you eventually get involved in using social media as a way to reach out to, with the, the gospel? Yeah. Um, so when we first moved uh, to New York City, uh, God had put uh, South Asians uh, really on our heart. Um, I had spent uh, six months in college uh, working uh, in uh, the eastern part of India uh, underneath a uh, career missionary and just kind of doing an apprenticeship and learning and just spending time. I lived in a village for a month. Uh, I mean, it was just, you know, one of those unique once in a lifetime experiences it just really opened my heart. 
to the people there. And then as uh, my wife and I got married and began pursuing what kind of ministry God would have us be part of, the nations just kept being on our minds and our hearts and specifically South Asians. Uh, and so when we realized uh, we couldn't go overseas, we ended up joining up uh, with Global Gates uh, to come and work in New York City uh, with the Bengali people that are here. Uh, and so it very traditional. We came and, you know, we've done everything from door to door outreach to uh, just meeting people in parks and, and you know, coffee shops and uh, just really trying to connect with people to find people who uh, were curious to know about Jesus, who perhaps had needs that we could pray for, needs that maybe we could meet by uh, connecting them with local, uh, you know, Christian English centers or other things like that. Um, and so that's what we did for really the first six or seven years uh, of, of our ministry here. Uh, and then uh, just before 2020, uh, we had a chance to take a small sabbatical. And when we came off of that, there was a training for learning how to do social media outreach. And this was such a God thing because um, literally this was January 2020. There was a huge training uh, right there uh, at, at your old place, uh, Calvary Baptist in Manhattan, uh, where we learned about how to use social media for outreach and how to really be uh, go about it. Uh, and so a small team was put together to reach out to Bengalis. Uh, and as we were preparing to launch our first kind of ads and, and social media posts on these new pages that we had created uh, out of this outreach training that we had received, little did we know that you know our entire city, our entire world was going to go into lockdown and people were just stuck at home on the internet with nothing else to do but scroll social media all day. Uh, and so we began seeing responses from people. Um, one of the first ads that we ever did was uh, just a simple prayer in Bengali that my teammate recorded. We threw it over some B-roll footage of New York City. And just we watched it get shared hundreds and hundreds of times, not just in uh, the U.S. where we were paying for it to show as an ad, but also around the world. And people just resonating with that prayer and for protection and for help and for God to provide for our first responders and things like that. And um, we saw just a response of people, you know, messaging us saying, hey, can you pray for this need in my life? Hey, I really want to know more. What What's this Jesus thing all about? Uh, and that was really our intro into social media and have been using it uh, ever since. Fantastic, bro. This is really, it's a, it's a blessing to witness how God prepares his people um, uh, before things take place. Uh, I'm I'm just mm. so glad to hear because I was there in that training too. And uh, you're right. It's just only God knew what uh, uh, the missionaries needed and how it's going to play a vital role. Have you found social media outreach to be a particularly fruitful in specific group of people, like uh, in a specific age group or region or among uh, atheists? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, the, the thing is, you know, so many people from every walk of life use social media. Um, you know, um, there's, always a percentage of people that are out there online who are really searching for something new. Um, and they don't always know where to go. They have these questions in their heart, these, uh, these needs that are just really gnawing away at them. Uh, and it's oftentimes those people that a social media post or an ad uh, can capture their attention uh, about a particular need. Like I just mentioned with the, uh, the prayer need that was going on uh, during the early days of 2020. And uh, we found that uh, it's very good at connecting us to a lot of people that we wouldn't normally meet. Uh, I think one of the struggles of doing ministry in an urban area like New York has always been just people don't have time and they don't have, they don't have space. 
Uh, they're, you know, especially among the immigrant communities that I spend a lot of time among, they're often living maybe two or three families in a couple bedroom apartment to make ends meet. Maybe they're a single guy who's over here working and sending money back to his family, but he's not living alone in a bachelor pad. He's living in a one bedroom house with six other guys and three sets of bunk beds, uh, in, in a room. Yeah. And so like having the space to have these kind of conversations and, uh, you know, these guys maybe are working, uh, 50, 60 hours a week and they, they get off work, they ride the subway another hour home. They go, they grab something to eat and they go straight back home, uh, to their apartment. That's very crowded. Uh, and so just meeting these people is often very difficult, uh, for believers. Uh, but through social media, we're able to connect with them. Uh, one of the groups that we found that was a big, kind of a surprise that I wouldn't have thought of at first was women. Um, a lot of women uh, in the Bengali community that we try to reach, uh, when they come over here, they're either working full-time uh, with very limited uh, free time to go and meet people and make new contacts, or they're they're married, they're at home, they're taking kids, take care of kids, taking care of the house all day, uh, and they don't get a lot of chance to get out and meet other people as well. And But all, the, all these women are on social media, and we're seeing them respond to different ads and, and ask questions that maybe they wouldn't ask. Uh, if they just met a stranger, you know, in the bus line or whatever that might be. Wow, man. Um, a lot of people thinking about social media, I'm thinking about different age group. So a lot of people are not on social media. Why is it still important to have it's this type of ministry? Yeah, um, that's a that's that's a really good question. And it's a, we see it as important as it's, we always describe it, this social media as a outreach strategy. It's not the outreach strategy. Ah. Um, there are, you know, of course, people that aren't on social media who would who would never, um, you know, really connect. There's people who are on social media who they're just there for fun only. They never really look for anything deep. If they saw an ad for something about Jesus, they would scroll past it faster uh, than than anything else. And so we we realize that it's it's not for everyone, but we realize that there are people out there who are using this uh, and that it's an effective tool for finding some of these seekers that are out there. You know, one of the biggest part, especially when we think of like unreached people groups is that there just aren't enough believers in that population for everyone to hear the gospel through normal social network means. And so the gospel has to come in some way often from outside. And we found that social media can be an entry point. Uh, and for us, it's also part of a, a bigger strategy Everything's not online, um, and, it, and it flows into hopefully person-to-person ministry uh, at some point, and that's part of our strategy as well. So um, it's going to uh, push back a little more on this idea of a generational gap and uh, people who I, I I agree. I love your response that it's a strategy, it's not the strategy. So I, I love that. That's very clear distinction. Uh, but let me push back a little more. Social media does not always come easy for older generation. And you understand that. I understand <laughs> that. World understand that. But <clears throat> my question is, what are the special skills or language skills necessary to engage in this type of ministry? Yeah. Um, the uh, You know, it's kind of surprising because um, while we often think of social media as not something that older generations are uh, you know, very adept at, um, you know, you can ask any young person, why, why do you not spend a lot of time on Facebook? Um, and it's not because Facebook is a bad platform. It's actually very efficient at connecting people and, uh, sharing and has a lot of features that even some of the other social media sites don't have that young people do flock to. 
But one of the biggest reasons why young people don't hang out on Facebook is because all the old people are there. Um, and like, that's, that's literally the reason. Um, and so we find that there are people from every generation that are out there on there, even among our, our Bengali community that we're trying to reach out to. Um, there's a significant amount of older people and they're often the ones with the most amount of time. Maybe they're here living with their kids. They're no longer in the workforce. They're retired. Uh, and they're just hanging out all day and it, it gives them an outlet to go and share stuff, um, and to talk. And so we learned that it's, it's important, you know, obviously if you're reaching out to a group that speaks another language, having those language skills, uh, is very important. Our team is not just English speakers. We have, uh, Bengalis who are part of our team that, uh, this is a way for them to be able to share the gospel with more people, um, for, for a lot of groups, it's like that, but it's also just understanding how to communicate with people online. Um, in one sense, people are often very much more open to sharing details, sharing what's on their mind, so to speak, because of the anonymity of being online. But on the other hand, you have to ask sometimes more specific questions to kind of draw out what's really going on uh, in their hearts and get past kind of those, those fronts sometimes people put up uh, on social media. Yeah. Um, let, let me take you back to... Um... Uh, about, about two questions earlier, you mentioned a little bit about running an ad. So can you share a little more about that? How uh, specifically, specifically how you and your you, uh, team use social media, um, how this running ads and all that mechanically and uh, um, what, what do you do? Just walk us <laughs> through briefly. Yeah. Um, so our team, we spend um, the majority of of our of our reaches and things that our pages get is through advertising. Um, we we specifically mostly are using Facebook right now because we've done some research and uh, in the world and in Bangladesh, where a lot of the people that we're working with come from, uh, that's where ninety something percent of social media traffic is Facebook. Uh, so we know if we're going to hit people, Facebook's kind of where we need to be. Um, and, but we also sometimes cross post on other things as well. Um, and so we use ads, basically you set up a page, uh, it's through a business account. So that way when someone messages us, they don't see that they're messaging Josh. Uh, they think they're messaging, they're messaging our page. Um, and so our t and then as a business page, we can assign several people to be on the, on the backside of that. And so if someone messages us, I could respond to it, or maybe one of our Bengali teammates who has access to that messaging could respond. And the person that's talking to us, they don't know that there's different people that respond. You know, it's like when you, if you have a problem with your phone and you message Verizon on Facebook, um, you won't see that you're messaging, you know, um, Sam who works for Verizon. You just see your messaging Verizon. Um, and that's kind of how it is for our page. That's how it, it works. And so what we do is we'll send out ads and we have different types of ads. Some ads are just very simple, like kind of to introduce people to the idea, get them familiar with our page. Um, hey, here's a short clip of the Jesus film for you to watch. Uh, here's a short uh, video about uh, somewhat, maybe the introduction to someone's testimony. They're talking about, hey, I used to struggle with this. I used to have problems. Then Jesus changed my life. Click click to watch more about how Jesus changed my life. And then we take them to a second video. Uh, maybe that's not an ad that's just on our website or on Facebook. And they can watch that to kind of get the fuller story of what's going on there. Uh, and the crazy thing with things like Facebook is it it'll track, you know, what people are watching your video, how much people are watching of your ad, uh, who's watching it. It doesn't tell you specific individuals, but you know, okay, maybe more men than women respond to the, to this ad. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, 5% of the people who watch this ad click to watch the second video. 
Um, and then what you can do is you can even do things like, hey, everyone who clicked to watch our second video, let's specifically next month send them an ad that then ask them to, if they have questions about Jesus, they could send us a message. Or if they want to, if they want a free Bible, they can send us a message and we can, we can mail that to them or deliver it. And so there's lots of options within advertising. Uh, one of the things they say about channels like Facebook or Instagram or, or Twitter or whatever is you as the user are not, are not their customer. Their customer they're trying to sell to are advertisers. Um, and so um, we just going to take advantage of that in using those same things that Coca-Cola or whoever is using to try and reach out to you online and, and show you those ads and get your attention. We're able to use those for the gospel and it's very cost effective and people can respond right there. You know, in one click, they can be watching a video about Jesus, click to send us a message and now be in a conversation with someone uh, over messenger about how they can know more about Jesus. Um, and so we found that that's very cost effective compared to some of the older methods, like putting up a billboard where who knows if people remember the phone number, they're in their car, they can't call you while they're driving down the freeway at 70 miles an hour. Uh, but on Facebook, you know, they see an ad, they can click it and they can be reading the Bible two seconds later. Yeah, man, this, I, I love um, all of this conversation. I remember when the training uh, back then, the same training you were talking about, the guy showed that one uh, example where he looked for certain um, boots. Remember that? <laughs> and then, but then he was like uh, uh, on another website, unrelated, completely like a random web, uh, you know, searching something else and the ad showed up on the top. And I was like, wow. So that kind of stuff is just mind blowing. That has improved my ministry approach to uh, marketing and as you know, uh, from, from, from outreach perspective. Um, thank you so much. So when you communicate online, what type of reaction do you usually get? People can be very hateful and they can be hateful uh, online too. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's really a double-edged sword, I think. Um, and it's kind of the same dynamic happening in both the good and bad of the reactions. Uh, people are often uh, sort of uninhibited uh, online, uh, sort of the anonymity of it kind of sometimes really compels them to um, express themselves more <laughs> more strongly than they probably perhaps would if they were just sitting with you in a room and talking about the same subject matter. Um, and so we get, you know, everything. There's the negative side of that where, you know, our page, we get death threats. We get um, a lot of, wow, uh, you Christians are going to hell. Um, you know, this is a bunch of lies. This is a bunch of other words New Yorkers might use that I'm not going to use on your podcast. Um, we get a lot of those comments and, you know, sometimes we'll, I'll, you know, if there, if we get death threats, we'll just block those people because we realize um, we really want our page to be somewhere where if you're a seeker, you can find our page. You can feel it's safe to ask a question on the main page without uh, getting death threats or things like that. And so we take care of that and, and we don't show our ads and stuff uh, to those people anymore who are sending the death threats. They, they kind of get removed from our, uh, our, our database as far as who Facebook wants to send things to. Um, and so that's the negative side of it. And we deal with that and, you know, we're very protective, you know, sometimes we'll have our Bengali believers will, you know, anonymously will share their story or something either written or through a recording that's been done. Uh, and so we'll, we'll, a lot of times when we run an ad like that, we'll say, Hey, you, this ad is about you and your story. Um, why don't you not look at the comments? Because we'll take care of those 
And, you know, we, we, you know, we don't, we don't want you, you know, getting too discouraged by some of the things that you see out there. But on the other hand, because people feel less inhibited because they don't have their seven roommates staring over their shoulder as if they, you know, if they pulled out a, a physical Bible, perhaps uh, in their apartment that might happen or their family or whoever they're living with here in New York, um, it can often be freeing. They can ask that question. And sometimes we find that some people will raise objections to us in our comments. And our kind of rule is we'll give a short response and invite people to talk more in private. Um, and when we are able to invite people into those private messaging conversations, a lot of times as we answer those questions, those defenses come down. And then we really get a lot of people who are hurting, who are searching for something, uh, who aren't finding the answers they need uh, in in what they've been taught their entire life and who are open to hearing more about Jesus. And so we try to keep the front side of our page very clean. Uh, we try not to engage people. One of my teammates found out very early on, uh, he was very the type of, he, he loves to talk to people. He loves to answer questions. So he tried to respond to everyone commenting on the page with a, with a Muslim objection to the Jesus content we were sharing. And of course, every time he responded to one comment, three more of that, per that person and three more of their friends would leave another comment to his reply. So, you know, the replies are multiplying four, four times or so each time he's responding and he's spending all day responding to the same people. And it was like, Hey, just answer them once. And if they want to talk more, invite them to talk one-on-one. -on -one. And you also find that when people are, are messaging you one-on-one, -on -one, um, they're not feeling like they have to put up a front for all their friends uh, or their community that sees them. And they're often able to be a little more real and you can deal with those objections or they're just, they're still a jerk one-on-one -on -one and you can just block them. So <laughs> either way, either way, we have to find that that's a very effective strategy for kind of pulling people to the side and giving them some space. And sometimes, sometimes they put up a front and it's just a front. Uh, yeah. And so we've often found that to be the case. I, I love uh, both uh, aspects. I, I love what you just said about uh, people. And it's true, especially in uh, uh, Eastern cultures. You just want to show off other men that, oh, look at this, look at me, how religious I am. Even if you have desire, even if that in that conversation somewhere you feel convicted by the Holy Spirit, you're just going to continue to pursue the same agenda because of the peer pressure and uh, social environment that you live in and your life is determined by your cultural reality, which is right. religious culture, um, as opposed to individualistic culture that we live in, they are dealing with communal aspect of that. So I, I totally see that point. Um, with, with the death uh, threats, uh, um, do you ever uh, um, send that over to the, let's say, Facebook or YouTube to tell them like, hey, here's the user sending these kind of uh, threats? Because they do also, actually, they actually not only block people, they cancel their, uh, they send them warnings and then they cancel accounts. Has that ever happened? Yeah, that's, that's happened a few times, you know, obviously the more specific uh, a threat is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll report it. Um, you know, if it's, if it's not like a death threat and it's just very negative or just like, uh, you guys are all liars, you know, whatever, uh, we'll often just block those people. And, Good. you know, you know, I'm not going to try to get someone kicked off Facebook for calling me a liar, uh, but yeah. obviously if people are making threats, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll also report them as we're, as we're banning and deleting their comments. Sometimes though, we often will leave one negative comment on the page, um, just to make it look like, you know, we are letting people talk, but then we'll delete all the rest. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so if someone considers the gospel and eventually becomes a Christ follower, what type of challenges might they face and how does your ministry help them? 
Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a, just such an important question because obviously and the people that we're reaching out to are coming often from a, a Muslim or a Hindu background. Uh, and so their, you know, their immediate life is often not going to get better when they become a follower of Jesus. Um, it might on the inside, hopefully it is, but on the externals, uh, there's so many things that they might lose that are in jeopardy. Um, and so what our typical goal is, is we connect with people online is to connect them with someone in person, you know, as quickly as realistically possible. We do some vetting online. So that way, um, we know, uh, okay, this person is legit. This isn't some kind of trap. Um, you know, one of the great things is, uh, you know, in a city like New York, uh, here in the, U- in the in the U.S., it's a little safer for us to go meet someone in a public place, um, and if if we don't know them, as opposed to, but we'll you know sometimes hey, you know you know we encourage our team hey you know maybe bring a second person to hang out nearby who can come get you if things don't seem right, uh, maybe uh, you know that kind of stuff. And of course, overseas where they're doing this uh, in much more difficult places, uh, the connection with people offline is often, you know, they may, they may spend several months vetting someone online before they are, they're able to connect them with someone in person just for safety reasons. Uh, but our goal is to get them to someone who's, who lives in their neighborhood, if possible. Um, obviously our first goal is if there's a Bengali believer who lives in a na- neighborhood near them, we want to connect them in person so they can build that relationship. We often think about, you know, the loss of things like maybe housing or, uh, you know, maybe sometimes, uh, they won't get promoted at their job or, uh, that kind of persecution as being, uh, the thing, but I think the biggest loss often for, uh, our believers from these backgrounds is that community. Uh, they, they suddenly are cut off from those relationships and that's, that's some of the biggest pain points we find. And so our goal is to try to connect them with a community as much as possible, whether that's a, a local Muslim background believer fellowship that we have, that they're able to connect with that, or, you know, if, if maybe they live in a farther away neighborhood and there's not Bengali believers in that area, maybe we can connect them with some through online, uh, but also a local church that can, they can be a part of that's willing to say, Hey, we don't understand everything about your culture, but we're willing to learn and we're willing to walk alongside you and help you. Um, and so that's some of the ways that we're able to connect. Uh, and then also we have some partners in various neighborhoods around the city with uh, some sister organizations that are doing things through English centers or uh, helping people uh, get jobs and other things like that, that we're going to say, hey, let's connect you with this group and see if they can they can help you with this uh, specialty uh, that maybe our online group can't can't do on our own. And so we try to do those things to help help people as well. That's really cool, Josh. Um, what what are the most important things to consider when it comes to discipling a new believer to an online connection? Yeah, I think one of those, uh, I sort of maybe was hinting at a little earlier, yeah. but yeah. the longer the longer they stay online, um, the more chance, because online, of course, is anonymous and it's freeing and sort of uninhibited. If you do that too long, then that sort of becomes the reality where now they never talk about these things in person. This is not part of their outside, you know, social life at all. This is just something online for them. Um, and that can be a danger. And so that's one of the reasons why we try to, as much as possible, move those along um, from just an online relationship to offline as quickly as possible, um, because we realize that it is in their community where they're going to have uh, going to have to live this out. They're going to have to face that persecution eventually, perhaps. 
there, if we want to see movements to Christ happen among uh, their people, that it can't just stop with that first believer uh, who gets met online, that our goal of meeting them online is so that as they're discipled, they're reaching out to their real life social networks, uh, their friends and family and other things, uh, and that they're able to share what Jesus is doing in their life with those people. Um, and so that's one of the most important things we find to consider. And then the rest are just, you know, I think it's just, you know, your normal discipleship things, um, encourage them to grow deep with Christ, encouraging them uh, to spend time in the word and let that be the, the center of, uh, of, of, of their life. So that way, um, they have those answers and, and train them how to find those answers on their own as they study scripture. Uh, so that way they're not just coming back to us constantly and saying, okay, what about this? What about this? What about this? Uh, but rather, you know, it's teaching them to fish instead of uh, just giving them fish. And so uh, all those things that often apply to um, in-person discipleship also apply to offline as well. And so we try to to make those uh, connections and help them in those ways. Yeah. Yeah. Very good practical advice, brother. So social media and internet allow someone even from a very rural area to engage with people across the globe. That's why internet is phenomenal. But my question is, how can Christian do this kind of ministry? What should they do or do not? Um, and I'm, I'm thinking about what, what is that they should avoid uh, commenting um, or what they should <laughs> avoid so they are not instigating uh, or uh, provoking hatred uh, or uh, from out of ignorance, they are not doing something that causes uh, offense for no reason. So gospel can be offense to uh, others, that's fine, but we shouldn't. So that's basically what I'm looking for. How can Christians do that? What should they or they shouldn't do when they're engaged in uh, online ministry? Yeah, that's a that's a that's such an important question. Um, because you know, if I was to open up uh, Facebook right now and just look at uh, you know some of the posts and things that Christian friends and others that I know around around the country may may be talking about or the way they engage, um, I would go, oh, I don't know if I if I would want that person uh, suddenly switching and, and posting a lot of Jesus stuff because people are going to see both these things that they're posting and the Jesus stuff, and they're not going to want any part of the Jesus stuff. Um, so obviously some things that I encourage people to, Hey, if you're going to have a very, uh, you know, use your social media presence, uh, as a believer, uh, you know, some of the things that you can do is, you know, one, obviously, um, avoid things that are unnecessarily divisive, you know, like you have a favorite sports team. That's awesome. And you can post support for your sports team, but if you're going online to pages and commenting about how you hate this player and how you, um, you know, this team, you just can't stand anyone who ever lives in this city. Like that's not going to play very well. If you're suddenly trying to share Jesus with other people in those contexts, um, you know, we could say the same thing. I think the biggest one of course is politics. Uh, you know, our country very politically divided and you go online and it, it looks even more divided than what the reality is. Um, and if everything, you know, on your social media is, Hey, my party is number one. And anybody who believes the other party, uh, you know, is obviously a child of Satan. Um, you've turned off half the people that you perhaps could be reaching out to, uh, because of the way, not because of what you believe in, but because of the way that you are engaging it online. Uh, and so I encourage people, Hey, think about what you're posting online. You know, this is, I think, should be true for everyone, but especially if you're considering, hey, how can I develop more of a media, a ministry presence online? 
you know, think about what kind of things you're posting, think about what you're sharing. Um, but you have so much opportunity. Um, there are people who will see your posts, uh, who don't know Christ. You know, if you're a local church, that's in the area, your members through sharing things that your local church might post on your Facebook page or other social media accounts, you have a tremendous organic reach where you don't have to go into things like advertising. Our team's using advertising because we're working with an unreached people groups where there's not a lot of believers already among this people group, but your church has a lot of believers perhaps in your town or, or, or neighborhood. If you guys were con- consistently sharing things uh, and had sort of a strategy as a church or as, as individuals to pr- promote Christ uh, through your social media accounts, you could have a tremendous impact. Just even things like, Hey, sharing a 30 second clip of you sharing the, uh, the Bible verse that you read this morning. And just, Hey, when I, when I do my devotions in the morning, I want to, I want to post, you know, maybe just one of the verses that I read that can be such an encouraging thing. Or maybe it's, Hey, you know, this year I'm January is a great time for resets. So this is a, you know, I want to uh, share, uh, I want to start praying for my community online more. Maybe you're my friend, maybe you're a coworker, maybe you're an acquaintance. Hey, every day I'm going to post a prayer, but if you have something you want me to pray for, you can either, you know, private message me, or you can just post it in the comments and I'll pray for you each day. And that can be a way that you engage people. We found that, you know, across the world, uh, both uh, our team as we're doing stuff, both in New York and in Bangladesh, but also other teams we know that are doing stuff around the world. Prayer is such uh, a, a gateway for people to connect. And so offering to pray for people's needs, being that um, sort of presence in people's life that brings peace into situations, you can be that online by the way that you engage with people by the method that you use for engaging. If people see that, they're going to look and go, hey, maybe I should message this person when something's going on in my life that I need prayer for. Maybe I should ask them about, how are you so calm with all this stuff going on and all the things in your life? When I read your post, I don't get mad. I don't you know, get angry. I, I just feel calm and at peace. What's going on there? And those can open doors for you to share Jesus, I think, with the people that are around you um, and, and really be a presence and, and the light of Christ online. Yeah. I, I love uh, the idea uh, that believers are supposed to be, our life is not private life. We are, we live, if we're living for Christ, it's a public life, right? And then uh, our profiles are public profiles, right? If you are online, it's online um, and it's uh, there unless you have certain settings and still, you know, through your friends, other mm. people can see you. Right. So there is like a lot of those uh, reasons. But in the end of the day, it's the mindset, if I choose to live for Christ, and then I could actually benefit from all these uh, um, social media interactions and uh, being public uh, um, out there so people can hear. Simple thing, I love this very simple thing, prayer. And you uh, already mentioned that even during the pandemic, uh, the Bengali prayer was bringing a lot of connections. So a lot of time, I think here in the United States, we undermine the power of prayer. And uh, part of that is like, oh, what a big deal, just prayer. But at the same time, in religious communities, prayer is, or religious cultures, whether you're talking about um, over a billion people in India, or you're talking about over uh, um, uh, 200 million uh, Muslims in Pakistan, or you're talking about Bangladesh, the same way, about 2 million 200 million close to that now. So you're all over Indonesia, everywhere. Uh, Asia in general is a very spiritual and uh, religious type of uh, continent. And there the prayer prayer has value. 
And uh, I think it's an important thing to uh, put that prayer out. And I think sometimes we take prayer, as a pastor, I'm saying this, we think that, oh, prayer is a private thing. You do it. If you're doing it publicly, you are trying to be show off. But in this case, that's exactly what you need. It's not a show off, but you need to be publicly doing, but not as a as a, um, you know, a show off person rather to glorify God and uh, to evangelize, to, to share the gospel. Um, do you have anything else you want to add to this episode? Uh, I just want to encourage people to think about uh, the ways that they interact with people online and how they can use that to glorify God and share Christ. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's something I've seen just, there's tremendous you know, so many people are on social media. It's a connection point. It's a way that people oftentimes will express more of what's going on in their life than they do in person. You know, everyone that you see out there commenting and writing, everyone has hurts. Everyone has pain. Everyone has needs. Uh, And most of all, they all need Jesus. And so remember that as you interact with people online. Amen. All right, Josh. So if listeners wants to get in touch, how can they do so? Yeah, they can either uh, go to globalgates.info, which is our organization's website, uh, and just there's a sort of a contact us thing and mention social media, uh, and you'll get in touch with me, or you can email me at jcollins at globalgates.info. Fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, we will include in the episode description all of this, uh, all these different links, we'll include them in the episode description. And for the last thing, because we talk uh, about heavy topics, and uh, even though the, some of the <laughs> conversations we have are joyful, it was wonderful. I, I, I'm very actually, actually excited, but still, still in the middle of that, you talk about death threats too. So um, it, 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 topics are heavy, uh, no matter how you look at it. Um, but anyways, I would like to ask you to ta- uh, tell us a joke to lighten the mood. That's how I want to close. I want to hear a joke from you. All right. Um, well, did did you know, uh, Alphonse, that before I got into social media, that I was actually looking to become a locomotive engineer? No. Yeah, I was. I really was excited about it, but then I learned you had to train every day. Ah! Uh, <laughs> oh, look at you. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> oh man! Usually, I get like very clean, clear dad's joke. And I was like, okay, um, thank you so much for being on the show again. That was Josh Collins. Well, thank you and so much thank for having you. me. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you to all our listeners. We truly could not do this without you. If you learned something, have a topic suggestion, or would like to leave us feedback, drop us a note at oururbanvoices.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. 